Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we'd just hang on. Well, I can't recall a time when I ever had so much fun. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 114 of the Always Race Day podcast. I'm Connor Ferguson here with Josh Olmstead, Caleb Sluha, and Damon Helgevald. And as always, we are presented by the Carl Auto Group. Big shout out to them. Uh, Caleb, I've been prompted to ask you, uh, have you ever gone down the road uh, and just ran out of coolant and stuck? Stalled the car? I, you know, actually, uh, today I, I did on, on my way to the podcast. So, uh, yeah, buy, buy your car from Carl Auto Group, and I bet you, that doesn't happen to you. You did not have to do that. <laughs> There's nothing set up about that. You just, you just told me to ask you that, and you'll take it from there. But yeah, you weren't supposed to, like tell the people that i told you to say that it was supposed to be like yeah you told he's me not very, he's not very good at these prompted things as you probably noticed <laughs> if i think of a good one i can just roll with it but I, you told me that all the details it's not my fault it says here to ask you if you there's ever no, there's no print off don't pretend like you're reading off something there's impromptu improvision for from connor is non-existent <laughs> pause for drama <laughs> end quote start anywho, quote. I, i'm sure if you buy your car from carl auto group you won't be stuck on the side of the road um because they have good quality cars down there and you should definitely check them out and clean ones yes can't promise vitamins but they got they at least got the cleanliness part all right shall we get started we shall yeah everyone's just chilling on mute jeez oh, i'm gonna have to cut a bunch of this show guys jeez yeah i'm not right. i'm not used to damon being the one on mute i know this is this i've been is typing so i didn't want to have the clicking in the background go so that's understandable the uh the biggest um news from this week uh hendrick motorsports driver alex bowman uh will be out uh, excuse me three to four weeks uh with a fractured vertebrae he suffered uh during a heat race in tuesday night's high limit uh sprint car series show uh at 34 raceway down in burlington uh connor morrell got into him uh both cars flipped and uh yeah alex is going to be out of the car for about a month uh the fourth race in that stretch is the all-star race um so that's at least a uh, little bit of grace period there uh obviously hendrick is going to explore uh waiver request and uh josh barry is going to be the felon guy um i don't know if you guys had any thoughts or if you want me to go on go on my uh drivers racing outside their own series thing i'm gonna assume i know what your opinion is on it um are you here to be the opposite guy again well go ahead and, and share your opinion 
So um, it basically, uh, I kind of got a foot in the door uh, of journalism. One of, one of the first jobs I had was uh, helping out the Capital City League uh, here in West Des Moines. It was a summer league where Iowa State uh, and Drake players uh, both participated in, a, a ton of uh, junior college guys and stuff like that. I uh, would play in it over the summers. Um, and basically just get some games in It'd be like 10 nights of the summer games were free to go to for people, you know, fans could go up and see their favorite Iowa state player, uh, over in the Valley freshman high school gym, like cool little, cool little deal. Um, there's a number of coaches that have came through Iowa state, uh, or have come through Drake or may or may not be there now, uh, that don't like the aspect of their players playing basketball over the summer in this league where there isn't any defense. Um, no one's going, you know, that hard, especially if they're really good at basketball. Uh, and for some reason, you know, they harp on the risk of injury, uh, where you can miss a step on the stairs, fall down and fracture the same amount of vertebrae that Alex Bowman fractured last night. You know, there's, uh, there's a risk to things. Uh, racing's a dangerous sport. Obviously it's not basketball. It's not the same thing. I get it. Uh, my whole deal is you can hurt yourself doing a lot of things. Um, you might as well do it in a situation where you're working on your craft, uh, and racing in any car is going to help prepare you to race in the NASCAR cup series, uh, especially with the next gen. So uh, the only thing I'll say is there's a big difference in walking down the stairs and doing something that's inherently known to be more of a risk. Um, it, it's, it's so tough though, because it's like you look at this last couple weeks and it's like not a good proponent for the conversation of, do we let these guys do these things outside of the race car. Well, I, but to, to respond to that real quick, I look at the back half of last NASCAR season and say, why should anybody be in one of those cars? I, I would, I would you agree know, with that. Everyone in them is getting hurt. Why the hell should I let my driver race? But on the, on the flip side of that too, though, is like, okay, so what, you can't go race other cars. You can't snowboard. You can't like, where do you draw the line then? Because it's like, at this point, do you tell your NASCAR drivers, you can't go to the malls because you're probably going to get shot. So like, don't go shopping. Yeah, where, no. like, where, do you, where do you draw the line of, of that? So I think it's, it's hard to decide what to do on that. I mean, obviously, yeah. Like you want those guys to do things that they enjoy outside of work. Yeah. The only place I would, if I was a team owner and I'm, I'm far from it, but the only place I would tell my driver not to go is to the Minnesota wilds home arena, uh, wearing a Marcus Feligno Jersey. That's the only place I'd forbid him from. Okay. This is I, I knew we would go. circle around there. I knew we, something we have Felino, Felino sucks. You could put any, any NASCAR. Why no that one I, takes us serious. Oh, get, no, I'm just saying <laughs> I like Ross Chastain more than I'd like Marcus Felino. Anyway, I, I'll throw this in there. The people that are out there saying, well, it, they need to, he needs to stick to his day job. He needs to do what's that any different than you, me, and anybody else going and, and being out with our friends, you know, doing things that we do. How's that any different than what these guys do? 
right? Just because their job as a professional athlete is driving a race car doesn't make them any different than any, any one of us, right? Like we still go and do these things and no one bats an eye. If we go break an arm because we fell out of a tree or something stupid like that. Right. But no one says anything bad about that. But the minute we go and, and it's a professional athlete, or in this case, race car drivers, everyone's like, they shouldn't be doing extra racing. Well, why? So for those of you, uh, like, I don't know Damon a little bit, but like for Josh and Connor, do other sports have like at all where it, w- this is a conversation? I mean, like it this, is for the NBA, like, the NBA is doing some summer league type games. I know there's a lot of NHL players that go and play roller hockey in the summer. Pat Maroon is a big, it is a contract to contract basis. So like, Pat Mahomes, when he first got picked up by Kansas city in the draft, the guy can obviously throw a football country mile, but he also can pitch and he played basketball that he can dunk like there's no other. And the chiefs put in his contract stipulations, like no activity like that, but there's other athletes that go and do a bunch of other things as well. Like there's a whole bunch of athletes that go and like Connor was saying, hockey guys will go play roller hockey. You know, basketball guys are always playing pickup ball and, and summer games and stuff like that outside of their own time. The only league where it's like really prevalent, um, comes in football, you know, the NFL, the CFL places like that, uh, for some reason. Um, and why do we hate the NFL? Uh, because of stuff like that, that you wouldn't let your athlete go and appear at a charity basketball game or something like, you know, I think that's part of the, part of that equation is just, you know, you don't have to protect these guys. The chances of something happening are pretty slim. And if they do, they do. And you just, you adjust to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's pretty similar for NASCAR too, where like some teams are like, I don't care what you do. And some teams are like, no, you know, you're going to not do these things. And I, 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 I just, I understand both sides and I can see, I mean, why you would want to protect your asset, but I also understand, you know, wanting to do what you enjoy and, you know, not have that on you. In my opinion, a prime example when it comes to another sport is the Paul George incident where he was playing, he was practicing for a team USA game and Mm -hmm. he completely shattered his leg in half Mm -hmm. and it like put him out for the entire following year. So like in my mind, there's a prime example from another sport. You have baseball where you have the, the world series, the world baseball Baseball classic. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that with, uh, um, Diaz, Edwin Diaz. Yep. And, and, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys noticed this from the fallout of that. Every single player that was asked about him playing in that was completely for it. Yeah. Yeah. Every I mean, it's single, what they I do. It's... One guy go, oh, you played a meaningless exhibition game. Well, it's not even meaningless because now you're you're representing it's just like paul george you're representing your country and these guys want to do those things on a big stage because it brings out a national stage um it's it's things like that so for for 
race car drivers, there should be no difference. You know, it's, it's the exact same thing. Let them go because they're going to want, it's just going to make them want to do it more. Right. And especially with this is like, you're making your brand bigger. Right. We talk about the divide between asphalt and dirt fans all the time. And the best thing you can do for yourself on that is to go race dirt and have some fun with the dirt guys. And that's what Alex Bowman is all about. He, he wants to go have fun. He wants to go have a party after the races. And he's damn good at both of them. Uh, so let the guy go out and do it. Damon's shaking his head like that wasn't known. Like Alex Bowman isn't the party animal. No, it's well known. That's the point. It is, it is very it's, well known. It was overly just, known. You're giving me some weird ass looks today. And I, I, don't, I don't like it one bit. Do you guys have anything else on the Bowman stuff before we get high limit? I'm excited to see what Josh Berry can do in that car now too. I mean, (laughs) he was just taken out of the nine car, finished second at Richmond and they, they take him out right at uh, Martinsville, which was his best racetrack statistically. So that would have been cool to see him run that one. But uh, now he's going to Dover and he's pretty good there. I was just going to say, I can't wait to see how he does at Dover because he's, been consistently top five there yeah for anyone that was on the fence about it about his run like me and everyone that has described it since i said he did okay he did pretty pretty all right everyone else has been saying he did phenomenal and it's gotten him maybe a cup series phone call so maybe he'll prove some more in the next four weeks what josh is shaking his head josh he i mean like nope more, he strategized more, uh, his way to the second place finish, you know. He's probably getting more Cup Series calls than Justin Allgaier, I'll say that. I thought you were going to say than me, but yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> he's both, both of yeah, you. Both, combined, combined. combined. He's getting more Cup Series calls than you are getting ARCA calls, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, ref- I refused that invitation on the last episode. We got to go, we got to double back to that. No, uh... I'm, I am excited to uh, see what he's going to do. Um, speaking of the high limit series in that race last night, uh, I had a couple people ask me uh, why I wasn't at Burlington or why we weren't down there. Uh, and I put in a uh, credential request just through their general email. I don't know who wrote it. Uh, there's no, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, but the message I got back was Connor dash. Uh, due to the high demand, we are no longer accepting media credentials for 34 Raceway. Hope you can still make it out to the race. Um, so yeah, uh, I didn't drive uh, three hours down uh, to pay 45 bucks for a pit pass uh, to do my job. Uh, I did want to come on here and say that you know uh, these series and these tracks should want media. Uh, to come to their racetracks and showcase what they're putting on. Obviously, our job isn't just to promote the racetrack. We aren't race promoters, uh, but I will showcase uh, what it has to offer. The drivers and the event that you're putting on um, is going to be uh, boosted to a much larger audience just with us us being present at the track uh, in doing what we do over social media. So uh, I was kind of shocked that, you know, with High Limit coming, it was supposed to be kind of a new wave, a new type of uh, sprint car series. And I put the credential request in pretty late, like Friday before the race, totally understand. Um, so there's no hard feelings or anything like that. Uh, I just thought this would be a good time to come out and kind of say that i guess conversation that we've had over the past few years uh if you follow matt weaver uh you've seen a couple of tracks 
uh, do kind of the same thing to him. And it's, it's really weird uh, because, you know, you would think the more people at your racetrack, the better, whether they're covering it or watching from the stands. Um, and I don't think uh, $45 uh, is going to make or break what Burlington made on uh, Tuesday, nor should it, uh, because, you know, that's the product you're putting out in the event and everything like that. So I just wanted to say that, say my piece, um, no hard feelings to hard limit or high limit. I don't even know who wrote the email back or who read it or who did what. So no worries to that. We'll, uh, we'll get bigger and, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen again. About the race, uh, Anthony Macri won uh, pretty pretty good drive at the front. I think it was his first time there. Uh, he has a new guy on his crew that's kind of more of a national guy that uh, evidently was pretty uh, helpful um, in his prep for this Burlington race. Kyle Larson had a big run at Macri, uh, put a couple of his tires over the cushion on the last lap, and he fell back in the pack. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Macri with a really good result that you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I saw it coming, especially his first night at the track. Uh, but any, any more like watching Macri, like, I don't know if I pick him a ton to win races, but when he wins, I'm never surprised. What I, what I got to see from that race, um, was, was what we have come become accustomed to seeing with Anthony Macri. And that's running right around the bottom of the racetrack, right? Like he made his hay on the bottom of the racetrack. Does it anytime that he's really successful, watch where he's running. And most of the time Macri's running around the bottom of the racetrack last year, he was the winningest 410 guy in the, in the uh, country and, and won a bunch of races, uh, same, same exact way running I, the bottom of a racetrack. I have two questions. Cause I've, I've seen him freaking ram the cushion at Port Royal. I have two. No, I, I have two. I've seen him do that too. He I can, just think, he can, he, on one hand, he can Bobby Pierce and on the other, he can Ricky Wise. Right. I, I think you can, you can see him do both. And I think you're seeing, um, cause I mean, when you think of, when you think of racetracks out East Connor, like in, in the posse area, most of those racetracks are bottom feeder heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that that's where you see him pick up most of his wins, obviously, because that's where he's based out of. But when a bottom of a racetrack is really grooved in like West Burlington was last night, uh, it makes it even better and makes it better for him. So uh, certainly enjoy seeing seeing that. But, uh, yeah, I've seen him run the top and, and win some races that way, too. But, uh, um, yeah, it was a, it's interesting. The track was in interesting shape. You could see the the bottom kind of go go away a little bit. You saw the middle of the racetrack, obviously, was, was really slick. They were talking about that in uh, uh, restarts. There were guys losing traction on, on restarts because they just couldn't get any, enough grip in the tire. But, um, Larson ripped the lip and then caught him, uh, caught him from, cause he probably, I mean, based on the way I saw some highlights, he was on his way to the front and probably could have caught him if he doesn't go over the cushion. Yeah. Uh, could have maybe, uh, I think he went over the cushion because he pushed that envelope too far. To right. He couldn't, I, I don't think he could have gotten him. I mean, I think you, you, you don't know, obviously. We yeah, will never, I, they, they, we'll never know. Unknown is turns three and four. And what right. you know. we'll never know, but it, it's still 
it still puts on an exciting show when you got a guy like Macri who's won a bunch of races and you got a, a NASCAR superstar like Larson who's doing what we've seen him do for the last three, four, five years now. And uh, yeah, what a uh, what a cool race. I, I still like the High Limit Series, man. I, I really like the idea of it. I think the choose rule is really cool uh for dirt car racing that's the that's the big aspect of that because i i completely agree on the choose come thing and i want to reiterate i don't hate the high limit series i don't know about that yeah don't <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> yeah uh connor connor hates the high limit series we're not no, we're not doing that print the shirts we're not doing that and I'll, this is I'll why you're wear, not getting I'll accepted. Have to, I'll, have to wear blue, <laughs> I'll have to wear blue and orange every podcast and be the biggest World of Outlaws stand you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, you got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the choose cone thing is, is fun as hell. I think that really uh, spices up these races. And, you know, uh, maybe we can, and they do a, pretty good job doing it on flow. Maybe we can convince Fox to show more of the choose cone on Sundays with this. Good luck. Do you, uh, we've yeah, gotten yeah. better at it since the last time they had it, but that's right. That's right. they've set our expectations and uh, they've been improving every week. Hey, if you set the expectation low, you can only get better. You set it at one out of a hundred. And after 10 weeks, you're at 13. You're Fox. Hey, you're doing all right. 13 is better than zero. All right. Um, I was going to ask you, Damon, uh, do you think we'll see anyone uh, do the uh, Durst dice roll and, and um, claim that starting spot? I think. Uh, Larson's going to have to do it by the end of the year. It's, I it's, think it's Larson will be the one. Yeah. 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 I think Larson will be the one to do it. I think Brad, I think uh, um, if, if we see Brad sweet at a, at a race, I think he'll be the one to do it. Um, I could foresee it. If the track is really racy, the one thing we haven't really gotten. And I think a lot of it's because we haven't got a whole lot of rain here lately is um, is we haven't seen a really racy racetrack at either one of the shows lakeside was a little dry and it turned into a one lane, uh, powerhouse. And then last night it was either really the top or, or right around the bottom. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I would say, I would say you have to see a racetrack where you can run all lanes and, and, you know, be able to slice and dice. Yeah. I, I, agree with you to a point. I don't, I still don't know a ton about prepping tracks. I get better every day. Not about actually prepping them, but like what the surface is doing and what it's going to behave like. As long as you're getting better every day, that's all that matters. I, dude, I learned stuff. Connor goes out back of the apartment, builds his own little dirt track, runs the 164 scale cars on them. Yeah, it's on the table on the balcony right now. See? Anytime I have patio beers, I'm just running, running the track and seeing, seeing what we can find out. Seeing how he can learn how it changes. Oh, it's been sitting out in the sun. It's really rock hard. My Donnie, my Donnie shots car got a flat right rear last week. And I didn't know if it was because of the dirt or I was pushing on it too hard, but. (laughs) (laughs) Connor's going to be the next stop motion guy. Oh man. I can't wait. Uh, there was a time when I was like 12 or 13 where I was like, that'd be kind of cool to just do that. <laughs> they get I have that be my job, like just be on YouTube doing stop motion races. 
So fun fact. Uh, Murphy my, would be a 15-time Cup Series champion, just so everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm absolutely positive of that. So what's funny is uh, my roommate was somewhat popular by doing that stuff back when he was younger. And there's like random people on the internet that will recognize him from from doing that. Yeah, they used to put in like, like polls, like you would pay to get an entry and then the winner would take home the money. And I have, I have to like, you can inherently rig that, right? Like you're deciding oh, yeah. it's the race. Easily. You, like that would be the worst sport to bet on. I don't know. I think I'd just buddy up to the guy putting the race on. I'm, I'm pretty sure. It was hey man, you need draw, anything? Just the checking results on were a random draw. Can I, uh, can I door dash you? Like, can I get you like hundred dollars or anything like that? Help me, help me in this stop motion race. Jesus. That's exactly it. <laughs> All right. Uh, another thing from the week that was uh, pretty interesting um, from Denny Hamlin's podcast. He had, he's had this idea uh, and it spurted um, everyone to create this and kind of make it come to life without even NASCAR getting into things. Like first off, when I, when I talk about Denny Hamlin, like, and we, in 10 years, when we remember his career as a driver, like even this season, what, what are they, eight episodes in on their podcast? And I think it's been like the thing to talk about for the entire week for four of them. Like every single one has something that is like, just for lack of better words, just like a great speaking point, like yeah, either great knowledge or something like, like he's becoming much more popular um, just off this season, obviously like as an owner, he's been, uh, rash. And is that a good word for that? Pretty, pretty bold in his statement yeah. and uh, very impactful. And like, that's like really cool to see it transpiring. And it's just spiraled into this, like majorly impactful thing that this guy can say anything every week. And it, it catches fire because credit to him they're all good ideas or that I, mean, I shouldn't say all he got himself penalized on one of them but uh shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> like very uh like things that you know move the sport around um and this last one uh was he said after 10 weeks of the regular season uh you take the points and the drivers seed themselves based on where they finished in points after 10 weeks. And they have a mid-season bracketed tournament where they're going up head to head against another, another driver in the field. Um, and you have it culminate at a big race. Uh, and that would be the, uh, I guess at this one, it's gateway on this bracket. Be cooler if they did it at the Coke 600, but you know, nonetheless, um, and they do like a, a mid-season tournament of it. It's a bracket. So you get the same like March Madness type feel to it. You have upsets, you have this and that. And so uh, a couple of places have put the, put what the bracket would look like out of the top 32 guys. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. I, uh, do you guys want to just go run down and break through the bracket, pick any upsets or anything like that? Yeah, I haven't even seen it, so I haven't I'm seen curious. it either. Oh well, here let me let me share the bracket picture. Uh, yes, our group chat. That probably would have been a good thing to do before the show, but that's Connor stuff. 
sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, it would have uh, been perfect for me to study while I was on the side of the road. Yes. Well, yes, that's fair. See, <laughs> uh, See if you get a car from Carl Auto Group, you wouldn't be on the side of the road, though. Exactly. Exactly. No, and I, I want to add to the thing with Hamlin's deal, like the two things people want, they want to see driver's personalities mm -hmm. and they also want more like as much of the like behind the scenes extracurricular stuff as they can i mean that's why drive to survive is so popular like people aren't watching f1 races and then you know also saying well i don't need to watch drive Sur to survive because it's the same thing like it's it, it different you're getting more of like that behind the scene deal that's what people crave and that's what's ham hamlin's providing that so it's it's been super super good content and it's not a surprise that you know i mean that's what that's what they want yeah the the podcast or the uh the bracket thing i think too brings it brings a mid-season flair right like we're we're going to these races where it's baseball and it's nascar that's it it's the only thing you've got to bet on this adds in something that you can bet on within all the other matchups that you already bet within all the other racing stuff it gives sports better something and it's going to draw new people in just because it's a novel idea and if it's anything where it's as chaotic as what we've come to become accustomed to with March Madness, it's going to keep people around just because it's the, it's cool. Um, I like the idea a lot. Like, I think this is probably one of the best ideas that we've had. Um, and, and you don't want to see I'm, I'm a part of NASCAR now. Didn't you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to make the rules, but, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's a really cool idea though. And I think you don't want to say, get rid of the all-star race, but I could see them if, if this actually catches traction, it would be neat to see them replace that with something like this. Now, so the only thing I want to, I don't, and I'm, I'm not pushing for getting rid of the all-star race. I'm pro all-star race for you people that enjoy cool events at North Wilkesboro. Just don't take it to Texas, please. Uh, my whole thing um, with it, it needs to be after 15 weeks. Now, that's not to say that the points aren't figured out enough, nothing slashed through, all that. The dog days aren't right now. The, the NASCAR versus baseball days aren't right now. And obviously, you guys, NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs aside, like the dog days of summer where there's really nothing when the ESPYs are going in July and stuff like that, that's when you really want this bracket in there and then the last six weeks of the regular season you you just lead up to the playoffs and that's a whole different thing um i think i but realistically I think after 15 is way better than after 10. if you start at 15 though you go for 10 races isn't that what it was it was 10 races oh five. Oh, only five okay because yeah, it's 32 to 16 to 8 to 4 to two. Okay. Gotcha. I, for some reason thought that it was a 10 week span. So yeah, I guess that, I sent that you the bracket. We're going to talk about which picks we'd pick for the upsets. Oh, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. The, uh, the obvious oh, I, one oh, no, 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 Nope. I'm first, jumping I got on the it. first Almarola. Nope. nope. It's Bowman. Okay. That's fine. I'm going to take you, Elliot. That's the one you, got, you got you idiot. That's, that's because that's Bowman's not in the race. <laughs> so I got a guaranteed pick. I'm taking Ooh, Elliot so, over Chastain. If you took that, if you took those odds on Monday, then you'd be jumping for joy right now, Damon. 
You would be. And you'd also, you'd also be calling Eric Almarola up and seeing if he's going to the grocery store anytime soon because you wouldn't want him to slip on a banana peel. Well, no, you wouldn't. You're right. Yeah, I'd be paying him to stay home. Okay, so a couple things. Where, what was what was Hamlin's original idea? Did he want it to start like this week, or was he talking later? No, no he wanted He's to start like, later. Yeah, he said like late too. June. Did he say later? Because the cl- yeah. I saw the clip. I haven't listened to the whole show yet. No, he wants it later. He didn't say like start it right now. Right. He said after ten weeks. Well, not like you can take the points from ten weeks. You don't have to just start it right away. Well, That's well, then just take the points from fifteen. He could have been saying too, like at some point after, you know, 10 weeks in, cause I was going to say, I, I like right now you do that. I mean, I want to see a true one of like when it would be more realistic that it would happen. Um, I mean, right now, like I'm taking Gibbs over Stenhouse. Like, I think that's at Dover. I mean, you look at the last couple weeks, yeah, but Stenhouse runs really well at Dover, and Gibbs has never been there in a cup. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, look at, I look at stats at Dover, and Ricky Stenhouse's second best, third best track uh, is the one I'm going to pick over Ty Gibbs. Now, we're definitely, making picks, we're definitely making our picks now and doing this the next five weeks. Kozlowski versus Wallace is just like throwing your money into a trash can. Like, right. Either either way, <laughs> you might be in trouble. It's yeah. gonna so you're thinking too much. Mu- you're thinking too hard on the bracket. It's like the ESPN bracket contest is so f- so dependent on who your champion is. That's stupid. I think you should just pick slots. Every mm-hmm. pick is worth the same. Picking sixteen basketball games is more impressive, and picking them all right is more impressive than saying one of the six favorites to win the tournament won the tournament. Hamlin versus LaJoy, aren't they like best friends? You might be on to something there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Logano versus Gilliland. That might be a good upset. That's kind of what I was looking at. (laughs) I was, I was saying that I like that one. I think obviously it's not a big upset, but Cindric over Briscoe. And picks an 18 over a 15 says, I I said, it's not a big one. I just don't understand how Briscoe can get away with flipping everybody off last week. The entire race, he was flipping everybody off, and they're just not. Because of his finger splint? Yes, he is. He's had better jobs. (laughs) (laughs) For Dover, I do like how I think Bush and Priest will be close. Cause I oh, feel like that was my, that was my other upset. I wanted I think, Silver Bush to see what I think Priest can hold his own at Dover. Yeah. Right after they give Priest the Heimlich from choking. Uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> the petty laugh. <laughs> the saga continues with David and Priest. <laughs> I'm going to have, I like, I like Ryan Priest. He just, oh, no, some weeks you like Ryan Priest. No, I, I told it. I said it flat out. I, I like Ryan Priest on here, even the day that he did it. Blaney will do something to choke first Jones. I was thinking the same thing, actually. <laughs> no, I would take Blaney in that. I mean, I'd probably pick smarter instead of just picking every single upset. Of but... the top of the top four, which one? Oh, it's Chase Elliott. Okay, aside from Chase Elliott, which one's the most likely? <laughs> So those matchups are uh, Bell and Gregson 
and Bell's the one seed. Uh, Larson's the four, uh, 29, Austin Dillon against him. And then uh, the three seed, Kevin Harvick against the 30 seed of Harrison Burton. Which one would you pick out of those three? As an upset or? Yeah, like which lower, like, yeah. Which upset would you pick is what I'm saying. Can we just like completely Wait. away from that? Can we talk about how one of the children's cars is fifth in the points and the other is 29? Yeah, let's highlight that one a little bit. <laughs> like, we'll factor in a penalty, but still. I, I saw two. I think. How big was, was that like, penalty? 65 points, I think. 65. Yeah, okay, yeah so it's a, a race and a half. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, pretty big. That is pretty big. I, I thought it please was rewind to my uh, 15 week bracket. We're going to do this for the next 10 weeks. Screw it. Oh, God. We'll just do it again after 15. And then it'll be our idea because no one brought up 15 until I just said it now. <laughs> you guys good on the bracket stuff? Are we moving on? Yeah. All right, Caleb and Josh have they've lost they've lost their interest. Josh, no, I'm still looking IndyCar. at the bracket. Josh, IndyCar, dude, are you gonna watch? Yes. Their, are you gonna watch their documentary on the CW, or are you gonna be like a normal person and watch it on whatever streaming platform it comes out on? Whatever streaming platform it comes out on, because yeah. they're going like head to head with the NFL draft and like it's a streaming show like you shouldn't really care about when they broadcast it on tv i don't think anyone's turning on the cw unless you're like me and want to watch friends marathons all day i literally saw an ad for it and i was like oh that that'd be cool to watch and then i was like the cw i'll just find it somewhere else like yeah i mean you're, you're risking like accidentally seeing like a bunch of pac-12 highlights show up yeah, I don't want any of that. I don't, and I am fearing the coming days of the NFL draft because a couple of my friends get super obnoxious. For those it's dude, days. it I completely understand. Me, I'm friends. Yeah, I I'll join. <laughs> I mean, you're not the only one either, but it's literally like the only thing that can be talked about for like four days straight. Oh, and, and it's your, if you've ever watched the NFL draft, uh, mind you, if you are watching it, if you do have friends that have you sit down and watch the draft and make a night of it, please do a drinking game. It will be much better for you. Uh, because every pick is just, there's the pick. And five minutes later, uh, do we have a team trade? No. Okay. The pick has now leaked onto Twitter. Uh, and then we have Mel Kiper come on and tell us who's good and who's going to be a hall of famer and who's going to suck. Uh, and then he's always wrong because it's impossible to pick. Uh, and then three hours have passed and you haven't learned. How anything. about you stop hating on the draft? I'm not hating on the draft. I'm just saying three hours have passed and Iowa state guy still hasn't gotten the first round. It, it sounds like an Iowa State problem. Uh, no, I'm saying like it's. I mean, it's just I'm an Iowa State, State fan. That sounds like an Iowa State problem. Yeah, this guy has nine and a half inch hands. That's going to be a negative when it comes to these teams picking him tonight. Well, that's the whole reason that they're taking uh, Bryce Young number one. Well, if we're measuring hands, why aren't we measuring everything else? They did. They measured his height <laughs> and his weight. And his wingspan. The hell else do you want him to measure? I have some ideas. Yeah. Weirdos. 
feet. What are we? I mean, like, oh, they did that one. They did that one too. Yeah, they, do, they, they do do that one. <laughs> they do that one. Anyway. Checks out. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, go watch a dirt track race on Friday night. Agreed. Don't be don't be stuck waiting for your guy to get picked. Just celebrate it when he is, because you'll see it on Twitter before you see it on TV. Anyways, there's no reason to watch four hours for the one guy you want picked. That's what I mean with the draft. Agreed. Um, so the IndyCar show, since we were talking about that, I didn't I didn't do the NFL draft rant. You guys brought that on me, so don't don't bingo card that or anything like that. Uh, but no, the, the IndyCar show I'm excited for. I just don't think like, and I think this about NASCAR or any other series too. I just don't think that you're going to introduce a bunch of new racing fans on a streaming platform through a documentary like F1. Oh yeah, they are. They're going to pick up all the 60 year olds on, uh, on the CW. That's that's a false assumption too, because pick up the, the 60 year olds. Oh, no, it's on TV. Right. Okay. never mind. No, I'd completely take it back. What you were saying. I don't know why. And the ones that the, uh, that watch all the soap operas. We're going to have friends on the side of a car at some point after this advertising to watch reruns on the CW. Might as well. You get friends, live golf, pack 12 and an IndyCar documentary. So that's a damn good streaming package. Watch Phil Mickelson every week. A little, uh, Oh crap. I'm <laughs> forgetting this guy's name. You guys are going to yell at me when I remember who's Tiger the golfer Woods. Brooks Brooks Kepka. Oh, I only know Tiger Woods. Oh uh, yeah. You were close. He hasn't sold, he's, he's got too much money to sell out. So they avoided that. Um, IndyCar has their fourth race of the season on Sunday at Barber Motorsports Park. It's that track in Alabama with the big ass spider uh, in the grass. It's fake, I believe. No one's hit it, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, Josh, what do we think? What, what's your preview here? Who's winning the race? So here's my thing is I, it's going to sound really bad for me being the IndyCar nerd. I know absolutely nothing about this track. (laughs) Like I just never really. Not off to a good start here, my friend. (laughs) No, we are not. Um, (laughs) No kidding. So what do you know about this track? (laughs) I know they had a really good battle for the lead in 2016, but that's all I got. <laughs> and that's your expert analysis from... Sorry, I had someone knocking at my door, some dude with a Bible. I don't know why he's coming to apartments. Well, you know, you could use it. Probably should uh, log off and... I told him I was atheist and slammed the door in his face. So I hope that was mean. <laughs> yep, that ain't going to do it. So you're going to have to pick up the slack with Josh because he said you know much. Please don't be offended. uh, Please don't be a bit offended by the atheist statement. I'm not. I'm not atheist. I just don't want it. Yeah, that was a bold to statement to say. Just got canceled. If it's well, not I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I say words sometimes that I don't necessarily mean. Zoom, Zoom just uh, notified me that the stream is being shut down as we're speaking. So oh, yeah. good, awesome. <laughs> Biden's America. <laughs> Jesus. It's just another joke, y'all. Uh, Josh, thanks. Thanks for that awesome um, over. You're welcome. Um, take his paddle. Uh, take so his paddle. Yeah, so the first. dog is Venus VK. So the, uh, the first thing is uh, it has 17 turns, so same amount of wins the Minnesota Vikings uh, are going to have next season. Um, Stop. 
Quit playing. Why are you we guys done? are trading Dalvin. Shut up. What? What? <laughs> That's fine. He fumbles the ball all the time. Who's your running back? But there's not. Yeah. Hopefully we draft Hendon Hooker. Then I'd, I'd have to watch the draft for three hours and sweat it out and worry about it. And then if he doesn't get picked, then I'm pissed. That just seems like an event that I don't want to watch. Hendon Hooker is not going to be able to play. We don't need him to play yet. We have Kirk Cousins. That's my barber pick. He is miles. Who who is your pick? Scott McLaughlin. That's a good pick. I like that pick. That isn't a bad one. You know what? It's all coming back to me. Um, Scott finished finished sixth there last year. Uh, Pato won. Alex Bethlehem second. Um, big weekend, big weekend here for Rahal Letterman. Uh, with Renus finished there. Uh, he's in a Ed Carpenter car. I'm backwards as hell today. Uh, Graham had a top ten there. He's good at this track. I don't think he's won there before, but I'm double checking now. Uh, 2016, he came second because he had contact with Pagano. Yeah, Pagano won that race, obviously. Uh, so big weekend there for him. Um, I should have just said like the underdogs or the underfunded guys. Cause Renus got third there last year. Um, that was kind of when Renus was setting the world on fire though. I'm wondering if we'll see that from a guy like that, or if we'll see any breakout races for some of these guys that kind of struggled to start off the season. Cause there's plenty in both directions that we've seen surprises. Uh, we've seen top names that are performing well. We've seen top names that can't do anything right. So so the problem is to go off of what la- happened last year was on lap one, like half the field just decided to. That's right. Arca break it into like, so yeah. Didn't I mean, you like mess up half the field or something like that. It, it damaged, I think like 10 cars. Yeah. Like, it was bad. I remember Joseph Newgarden was the cause of it. And he finished 14th. So I remember that vividly because I think there was uh one of my friends, oh, we got an F1 segment for the next, okay, we gotta go. Um, but one of my friends uh, had texted me, uh, IndyCar fan, or F1 fan, I'm sorry, uh, just bitching and moaning about the cars wrecking on the first lap, saying that would never happen in F1. It's the Where only were they, they for that race? Where were they for that race a couple weeks ago? It's the only time they wreck, is lap one. <laughs> yeah, it's... No, I'm excited. Can't wreck cars when you're strung out by 10 seconds. I, I am excited for Barber. I'm excited for every IndyCar race. I think the product's the best on the market right now. 27 full-time guys and 20 that can win a race week in and week out. So that'll be interesting. It's Sunday. Uh, I think it's at noon on NBC, but let me double check. Oh, no. It's at 2 o'clock p.m. on NBC, 2 o'clock Central Time. So you're kind of going head-to-head with the NASCAR finish. Uh, can we, why do they do this on the TV schedule? I'm I'm just, it's a broken record at this point. We talked about this. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm I'm just, uh, just chalk it up, chalk it up in the complaint column and and call it. Uh, no, Um, the uh, the F1 segment for this week that I wanted to bring the attention to everyone. The sprint? Yeah, so Max Verstappen said that the sprint races are stupid. We shouldn't have heat races because we have qualifying to decide uh, who runs the A-Main. I I put that into dirt language. So F1, instead of getting rid of the sprint races, uh, just said, well, they don't determine anything, but we'll give you like a fraction of the points you earn in a normal race. 
It, they're basically out. running an F2 race. They're making it so easy for me because I cannot think of a bigger waste of time. You just have a devalued the same product a different day on the same exact racetrack, probably with the same track conditions since it's a pavement track. Uh, and you have less time to pass people through strategy, which is the only time F1 cars pass each other. So it, to me, okay, I, yeah, I guess run it. Um, I don't know why anyone would tune in to watch it. I don't. So they also announced that for Q1 and Q2, you have to run medium tires. In Q3, you have to run softs. And you can use different medium tires for Q1 and Q2 because it's supposed to save tires. But yet, they're allowed to use three different sets in qualifying. No, they light money on fire over there. I don't really care if they're not allowed to. Yeah, it, the sprint is now just has nothing to do with the race. and It's purely just a mini race. It's F2 before F1 with F1 drivers in cars. No, no one was watching F2, so we just turned our F1 field into that. Yes. Oh, man. Do you guys have anything else, sir? All right. Uh, enjoy this interview. I will introduce it afterwards because I still don't know which slot we're putting what in. So uh, I hope you enjoy this guest. He was fantastic. What's up, guys? We now welcome on a very special guest, a full-time 410 wing sprint car racer out of Plainfield, Indiana, uh, in Zach Hampton. Um, and definitely an interview uh, I was very interested in doing as soon as my buddy uh, Dawson sent me uh, the tweet you read. But, uh, Zach, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, so... Uh, the tweet, the tweet I was sent that prompted this interview, uh, you said, if anyone with a racing related podcast needs a filler, send me a DM. I'm pretty inactive and relaxed on social media. I'm probably one of the most controversial and misunderstood sprint car drivers in the country and would love to chat about it. So my first question is like, what's your most controversial take that you could just throw out there and we'll make it the headline. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I guess, uh, to make it a headline, um, Shoot, I don't know how to how to headline it, but uh, like you don't have I to come up with the headline. We'll, we'll recap that for you. People don't realize uh, like just how tough it is out here, especially not being you know a say a super team, you know, a team with uh, fifty three foot featherlight, you know, and three or four full time guys, and you know, like um, plenty of motors, plenty of everything. You know, guys don't don't realize how tough it is. So. Uh, and in an age where it's very cool to have, you know, a fake Twitter account or, or just, you know, not even a fake Twitter account, just, you know, people being an asshole. I think a lot of drivers, uh, just get, you know, shit on because they're not Donnie shots, you know, and, uh, you know, Donnie shots was not Donnie shots 25 years ago. Uh, so I guess that's, that's kind of my biggest thing. I was just, you know, one night kind of took over it, uh, reading, you know, just shit tweets or whatever, um, that they were not accurate or true or you know just people trying to be assholes so um and i know that there's a lot of other drivers you know like me out there that that get crap or just feel that way you know and you know we're all trying to uh to make it you know 
So, so take us, you know, you, you mentioned that it's, it's not easy for guys like yourself, you know, you don't have the, the full-time guys, you don't have the, the big rigs, the big sponsorship, take us through a day in the life of, of Zach Hampton on the racetrack. What, what is it? And, and kind of take us through the, that side that you're living uh, to, to give us a perspective from that side of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely am fortunate enough that, you know, like I, I don't have the smallest trailer, you know, out there and I, and I get to travel and I do have really nice motors and, you know, I have nice stuff. Um, I would say that I have a professional team, just not at the, I just don't, I have less of what all those other guys have. So, um, right now I currently don't have any full-time guys. Um, last year I did, I had one full-time guy, a crew chief, um, you know, that was it. So I think what most people don't understand that, um, a lot of these, you know, let's not even say Brad sweet or Donnie shots, you know, like the, the professionals, professionals, you know, like let's go, you know, and I'm not picking on anybody here. Um, you know, but kids, you know, younger or my age or even younger, you know, you've got, you know, Ryan Thames or, um, you know, uh, Corey day, even geo. Yeah. Corey day, you know, like you've got these kids who, um, are incredible race car drivers, definitely better than me. Um, but they have nothing to worry about, but getting in the car and driving. And that's fine. You know, like I'm, I'm not hating on that by any means, you know, like as a race car driver, that's how it should be. Um, you know, but we don't all start there. You know, everyone there's, there's 90% of us are trying to get to that point. So when, you know, you give, you know, a guy like me shit because I, whatever, I messed up and I wrecked one night or it wasn't even my fault. And, you know, I got in a jingle, you know, like people want to crap on me, but in the day of my life, I, you know, I didn't sleep until noon, one o'clock, you know, like I had to get up and I had to do my own tire work. Um, you know, I had to help maintenance the bars. I was up till 3am at the car wash, you know, and, and some of these other guys don't have to do that. And most people don't understand that any of us have to do that, you know, from a fan's perspective, looking in, they just, you know, like they think, you know, all this stuff, the race car helps get all this ready. And we just show up and, you know, race for four hours, you know, like we have another five or six, four or five, six hours worth of work after we leave the track to wash, to drive to the next place, to get a hotel, you know, like, and, uh, and then we got to be up at nine, 10, 11 in the morning, you know, off six hours of sleep and try to do it all again. Um, and some of the lesser drivers or the drivers that aren't, you know, on a super team with three or four full-time guys, uh, they don't get to sleep till, you know, noon or one. And I, I w- sometimes I do get to, and it's nice to, because, you know, it's not that they're lazy, but like, if you worked a nine to five job, you would get up at 7 a.m. and work. So when you're a race car driver and you don't, you don't work till 6 p.m., why would you get up at 9 a.m.? You know, like it just, you're already exhausted by the time you go out on the racetrack and everyone else, you know, it, it, with a team like mine or, you know, especially guys who have full-time jobs outside of racing that are trying to race, that's, that's what they have to deal with. So like mentally, they're not even 100% or as 100% as all these other guys. Yeah, I I love your answer. I mean, talk about brutally honest and, you know, knowing your role. Um, The story I wanted to tell, and I hit the recording right when we got on just so I could keep it authentic. Um, So I was in the pits at Knoxville. um, Would have been three, four years ago, maybe. Uh, But I was kind of learning the ropes at at what dirt racing is and uh, getting into what everything is. I'm I'm much more well-versed in 
the sport of dirt racing than I was at that time. Uh, and the person that said this, I don't even associate myself with them anymore. Not, not close with them or anything like that. I won't mention names. Uh, but you had gone out in hot laps or something. He had told me to watch you, uh, and you wrecked in hot laps or qualifying one or the other. Uh, and this guy turned around and said, that dude's, that dude's going to hurt somebody someday and was disgusted. Uh, and I would imagine, go ahead. Oh, you're good. It, I mean, it, in the grand scheme of things, imagine. it's a nobody, but what I've I seen mean, from yeah. you the past three years. So I had that in the back of my head. And since then, I've never seen you get slower like that. And that's the big thing of why I wanted you on was to tell that story and say, like, I've seen more improvement from Zach Hampton than I have from about any other dude that's gotten in a 410 sprint car in the past three seasons. Yeah. So I would imagine that was probably my first, uh, yeah. day, first trip to it was, Knoxville. Yeah. And it was your first it trip. Was, it was your debut. I'll tell you who it is. After we get off the air, I'll tell you who it is. That that's, was my first wing 410 race ever. Yeah. Um, so uh, which, and it, it wasn't hot laps. It wasn't qualifying. It was the C main, but yeah, it was like the first, uh, we made it through one and two and then three and four, I entered behind somebody and I just, I didn't know what dirty air was. I didn't know that the nose, like the air was going to come off my nose and the car wouldn't turn. So it's like, you know, I messed up for sure, but I, a, I didn't know any better and B, I didn't wreck anybody else. You know, like it was just, uh, I didn't know any better, um, at the time. And, um, you know, like, and you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, like I'm sure that they talked about it that whole week, you know, like I'd never ran a 410 and that's where I showed up and maybe that was stupid, but I've raced my whole life. Um, so it's not like it was a foreign concept to me, you know, like I, I ran on dirt, I ran micros, I ran midgets, you know, I ran a 305, a, you know, handful of times I'd ran some 360 stuff, you know, it was like, you weren't, not the, guy like was, you weren't the guy that showed up. You weren't the guy that showed up to the Chili Bowl with a midget. Yeah. I didn't just retire from AT&T and buy a sprint car, right? Like I just... <laughs> I've raced my whole life. It wasn't that foreign. Um, but that was still not probably the best place to, you know, 410 debut, but you know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, I, I think because I do stuff like that and I've just, you know, gone to the outlaw shows right off the bat and I've gone to all-star shows and I've gone to PA, uh, and raced against the posse, um, out there. Like, I think I've, I've maybe torn up more than I would have if I just went and ran local in Ohio or MOA or fast, you know, like, but I've also learned, you know, and progressed way faster than I would have ever. Um, so, and I've, you know, Rex, you know, I wouldn't say any more or less than anyone else who's, you know, trying to get better in a wing 410. Um, and who is, you know, got speed, you know, I could go slow and never wreck, but there's no point in that I'm wasting my money, you know, like, so, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I've never wrecked, you know, like, other people like i've never gone into the corner and just been out of control and crashed people you know like have i had tangles with people sure but you know i've never just crashed guys and that's where i don't understand why people give me so much shit like who cares if i crash on my own you know like yeah that doesn't affect anybody if i'm going too fast for what i can handle i stuff it in the fence like what what's that matter um you know like that's really that's you ask most people who have been involved in this sport for a while that's how you learn you know like you, you find the edge somewhere um, so I don't know, like, you know, I, I'm not mad that I went and did that. I obviously I sucked and that was, I destroyed that car that night, uh, that you're talking about, but, um, you know, it kind of really shot me into getting another car or two and, and building my program up from there. So, uh, I'm glad I did it. 
No, and you're you're absolutely right, and that's my bad. I did misremember that for sure. I've been hitting the head too much playing hockey my whole life. Uh, but the thing you said about like you'd rather learn against the fast guys, and you know you could go run Moa shows or do whatever series and face the slow guys, but you're you're doing everything that people I talk to and drivers I talk to at Knoxville, like, oh, I want to do this. I want to, I want to get out and, and race more with these guys and, and race this schedule. You're just jumping into it and doing that. I, I get a lot of respect from that because like growing up, especially I'd play when I was 11, I was playing 12 and unders and 14 unders and 16 unders in hockey. And I learned more in the 16 and under games than I did in the 14 and under and the 12 and under and it was a scale like that and you're facing the best you're going to learn a lot more than facing guys that are lower on the totem pole yeah for sure and and you know not everyone you know like is fortunate enough you know or, or has the ability to go and travel and and race against these guys and those guys so um you know like i definitely don't knock on anyone who doesn't i'm not knocking on local racing by any means and you know anything but you know like you're you're local guys, you know, like, and I'm sure this, if anyone from Pennsylvania listens, will make them mad, but like your local no, guys. It's okay. No, I've got that. I've got that covered. I've got that covered. Yeah, yeah. I've got no all the Pennsylvania where, fans. No matter where you're at in the country, like it just, the, the local racing local every week doesn't compare to, um, running with the outlaws every night. And it's not that the drivers aren't as good. It's more the grind, you know, like you don't race an hour from home. You race, you know, sometimes 12 hours from home. And then, and then you have a five hour drive to the next race, but you gotta, you know, go to the car wash after the race on Friday. And like, that whole grind, you know, it's just, this is all a mental thing. And, and people don't understand that uh, a lot of this is a mental game, especially now that all of us have, you know, most of us, you know, like I did the high limit race last night, you know, there's 51 cars, 40 of us at minimum have the same equipment, the level of equipment motors, you know, like nobody is, you know, they might have more of them, but nobody's out spending. Like our cars are all pretty equal and it comes down to, you know, driver crew chief and a lot of it, you know, just mental, like the mental games of it. So, um, you know, people don't understand that. And I just, uh, I don't know. I thought maybe, you know, if I get on a couple podcasts or whatever and talk about it, maybe some people just won't care. Right. They'll still get on Twitter and be assholes, but, um, you know, I, I figure some, it doesn't get talked about that much. So to give, uh, fans from the outside looking in some insight on what it's like to not, you know, like to be, you know, my level or, you know, even less, um, is what I was kind of aiming for. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's a big reason I wanted to have you on, uh, cause you obviously wanted to you know, get on a platform and, and kind of talk about your stuff and you're, it's impressive in its own right, because you're one dude running his entire team. You're a team owner. You're the crew guy. You're everything. Like what, I guess like you, we've talked about the challenges and we know the challenges and stuff, but what's it like when you get that result, uh, that was kind of in your goal, uh, and you see yourself improving the way you've improved. And I do mean that like you, I, I really would say like over the last three years, anyone I've seen that has hopped into a 410 sprint car uh, in their level at the start to where you're at now, like you've made the most growth of anyone I've seen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm really happy with the growth that, 
I've, I've made not only as, you know, a driver, but my team, you know, like the, the race you're talking about in Knoxville, uh, I showed up on an open trailer, you know, I had one car, I had one motor, I had one of everything. And that's it. Um, the following that winter, I bought, you know, like a, a 30 foot, uh, kind of, a, you know, extra height trailer, but I could only carry one car in the mule and a, one spare top wing. And, you know, like I had one motor still. Um, and you know, now I'm where, you know, I've got a toter home and I've got a 40 foot intact, you know, I can carry two cars, two complete cars. I've got three motors, you know, like, so I've, I've not only improved as a driver, you know, but like my entire team has grown and like, it's, you know, taken three, four years, but, uh, you know, it, uh, it takes time. So it feels really good. I mean, I hate that right now I am, uh, on my own without a crew guy or like a, at least one full-time crew guy. Um, it just, it's tough having different people come help every weekend, like, especially now, you know, which luckily I haven't wrecked anything this year, actually, other than last night, we had some motor problems. You know, we've had good finishes. I want to say like 15th and 9th at the two day IRA show. Uh, and then I went to Peavely with the outlaws and we were sixth quick third in our heat. And, uh, I think we ended up 15th, May uh, 16th. I think we ended up 16th. Um, and then we went to Jacksonville this past Friday, ran second to Ryan Thames. Um, and from fourth and then, uh, you know, uh, I ran the Highland eight deal, but, uh, I've had different people helping me every night. And it's like, I got to reteach these guys, you know, how I want things done or how we do things. And, you know, it's just, it's, um, that part of it's tough. So, um, I wish, I wish I had, uh, someone full time. And it's not that I don't have the ability to hire someone. I just, right now it's pretty, uh, it's pretty tough to find anybody. There's so many teams right now and so many super teams, uh, and it's early in the year. So everyone's kind of got their, where they're at right now. So, um, but it, it does, it, I mean, it feels really good, you know, especially, you know, improving. And, um, this is the first year I'm kind of like pretending to be my own crew chief for having to make the calls. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty surprised with the speed I've had this year and, and I'm definitely happy. Um, uh, and it's easy, you know, like Peavely, I was upset with the finish, but, uh, you know, I was happy how I ran against those guys with nobody, but, um, it's a struggle and, and hopefully the year gets a little bit better. Um, I definitely like uh, my, my end all, you know, goals. I want to drive for other people. However that happens, you know, um, even if I, you know, have bring my own motors to something or, you know, like my cars, they have motors or, you know, like team up with a team that's my level to kind of make something, you know, bigger. Um, that's, that's definitely my goal. And, you know, like I'd get in anything right now and drive someone else's car if it was an option, but, um, right now I'm just doing what I'm, what I have to do to, to get on the track. Remind me to bounce back to social media and stuff, but I, I'm curious on your, uh, like being your own crew chief, like how many, how many notes do you kind of keep from each track and how detailed are you with that? That, that stuff always fascinates me because I'll look at sheets of guys that have raced in Knoxville for 20 years and they, you know, they still don't know exactly what to do. So I definitely am probably wrong on this, you know, been, but everyone's different, like, and everyone's mind's different. I, I'm really good at just remembering things, you know, at least the things that mattered. Um, you know, we did this and it didn't work and we did that and it did work or whatever, but it's, we're not pavement racing to me, we're, I don't keep notes hardly at all. Like gear for sure. I write down gears, um, and stuff, but like, as far as did I move the, the right rear end a quarter inch or whatever, like, I'm sorry, but when I go back there a year from now, it's not going to matter what I did because we're not on pavement where the track is the same and you hit the exact mark every time. And like, you know, like 
the track completely changes, you know, from even from a Friday night to a Saturday night. Yeah. So like your yeah. notes the night before really, you know, like they don't matter. I think like, I think most of the good guys, like, yes, they keep their notes and they can go look at, you know, like they might look at them, but like, you, you know, your Phil Dietz, uh, uh, your Ricky Warner, like all these guys, like I, I know they look at their notes, but they have a baseline that they unload at, you know, like, Maybe they have a, a small track and a big track baseline. They have two, but that's how they unload. And they just do what the car is telling them that it wants it to do. You know, like that notebook doesn't help because that notebook from five years ago was a different track, a different motor, a different car, a, a, a different gear, a different, you know, like everything's different. And so like, I think guys keep all those notebooks and they get racing on their notebooks and it hurts them more than it helps them because they're not listening to what the car is saying, showing them or telling them to do you know they're going off notebook of stuff that's irrelevant you know and they just get themselves into a corner and they're doing stuff that that doesn't help and i'm probably wrong there's a lot better people to ask no i dude i think you've you've Um, changed you've changed my mind on kind of stuff like that because you're completely right like the cars have changed so much over the years you look at historical pictures of cars and you're like i can't believe they were racing those at fast speeds you know uh and like i look at people that uh do track prep at tracks that don't have a notebook and i'm like what are you doing like but that what you just said like might have changed my mind on that situation maybe not track prep guys but as far as like driving goes like that completely makes sense yeah and you know i think everyone's different i just i know i can't open a notebook at something i did a year ago and see what i like look at read notes and look at what i did and okay so like i did this and it didn't work but now for the rest of the night, when I go to make a, when I go to make a decision on my car, what, what I want to do, like, even if I try to push that out of my head, it's in my head and it's going to sway my decision on what I should do. And I, that's just me personally, how I am. Like, I can't, I can't unread that stuff. And then I know it's going to sway me one way or the other. And then I, I don't feel like I'm making a, a proper decision yeah. on, on tonight. So with that, how, how have the new tires treated you? Yeah, I like them. They're definitely weird. And, you know, like I would say, like, I'd never, I don't know anything different than the old ones. So, you know, uh, a lot of these other guys do, so they have more to compare it to. Um, but I like them. Um, I just think there's a learning curve with it. And, you know, these guys like, you know, Donnie, who have ran on a lot of different tires over the years, uh, it's probably going to be a bit easier for him to transition because he's done it before. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to make them work as a driver. It's definitely a lot different pedaling the, you know, the car it takes, a, I think it takes a lot more finesse, um, at least off the corner, whether it's slick or grippy. Um, and then I, I think there's something to be found setup wise to help with it, but they just, they grow so much more. So it really changes the attitude of the car, especially on the slick. Like when you get some, some tires spin and they grow it, like the car sits up so much higher on the track that it, it changes a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the other thing, like a guy like you, especially with social media, and I can imagine like you're inactive on there free, at least frequently wise, um, cause you're busy and owning a team, but also, how have you dealt in your career kind of with criticisms that have come from that, uh, especially from, you know, the faceless accounts, the 
the people that don't want to put their face behind a comment and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, every now and then I reply to people, you know, and just like, you know, why don't you come race or, you know, like, man, you, you know, whatever I say, you know, I'm sure sometimes I'm an asshole back. Um, I, I wish I was more, but like usually I just read stuff and I'm like, man, you know, whatever. Uh, when it does that know, aspect uh, of it does stink. Cause you want to throw something back to them, uh, in like a, they're going to get ticked off and say that you offended them even though what they said is probably worse than what you said. And then B other people are going to look at you yelling at a guy and go, what, what sponsor would buy this? And that's never made sense to me. I've always been like, uh, let people say what they say, uh, to, you know, to a point, obviously, but yeah, I think it's, you know, I definitely look at it. Some like there's times I want to say something, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't have either. I don't have anything to say. don't care to say anything, but, you know, there's times I want to say something and then, you know, like it's, I definitely have to look back or, or like, you know, take a step back and go, well, you know, like, how's that look, you know, for me, you know, or, or how's someone else going to see that? But, you know, really, I just, I don't really get on social media that much. Uh, I just, you know, like I, I don't, or I would say I'm like, uh, what do they call them? A lurker, I guess, you yeah, know, like I'll yeah. get on Twitter and read stuff, but like, and I try to post like, Oh, I'm going racing here this weekend or whatever, because I, I think there's a lot to that. And, especially for getting sponsors, like having that engagement on your profiles is big, but I just like, I've never really cared, uh, to like post on social media, you know, for anything. So, um, I just, that, that's where my inactive is. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I usually just don't want to give someone the satisfaction of a reply, you know, to them, you know, saying whatever, um, because, you know, it's only going to fuel it, you know, they're only going to do it more and more once I do. Uh, so, I usually just ignore them and, you know, I don't even block people because I just feel like, you know, yeah. who cares, you know, like I, I almost feel like that gives, that gives like a hater, the, the satisfaction, like they blocked me. So I'll always just mute people. I never block anybody. Yeah. I don't even mute because I just, I don't have my notifications on even, you know? So like, mm. uh, like I, I, I can open it and go to my whatever notifications tab and, you know, like, I can read it there. I don't, but it's not like it's like bothering me because it's my phone's buzzing off the hook. You know, if I don't get on Twitter for three days, I don't get on Twitter for three days. I don't see anything about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I try to just not, you know, really reply, but every now and then someone will say something that's, I feel like I have a pretty good reply to or a funny reply or, you know, just like kind of like whatever. Um, that's the key. If you can make everyone else laugh, if you can make everyone else laugh at the reply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if I can make them laugh or, you know, like it's not that I care to offend anybody cause I certainly don't. And I hate that, you know, everybody's offended culture, but it's not worth it for me to, to even risk it. Um, you know, from a, you know, like not just getting sponsors standpoint, but from car owners, you know, other car owners, which, um, you know, like is, is what I ultimately want to do is, uh, you know, race for somebody else or, you know, other multiple other people's, you know, or whatever, um, you know, and, and make it a career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have to be careful with it. I per se, I don't think I have to, but, um, I, I think I'm better off for it. So you haven't popped up on my timeline with a bad tweet for two years. So I think you're good. Yeah. I'm sure if you go back five or six, you'll see some really ignorant <laughs> stuff when I was like, Same with me. not really, not really racing 18 years old, you know, just being a dipshit. But, um, yeah, I mean, since I've started racing again, you know, like in 2019, I've, I've been pretty tame, I think from what I can remember. 
maybe a couple bad ones. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I did want to ask you from an outside driver's perspective, uh, just the whole off season was dominated by the like everlasting, but never really developing story with the outlaws versus high limit tour. And I wanted to ask your opinion on the outlaws, not running every high limit race, only being allowed to run four races that weren't included on your pass or whatever you would call it a waiver um or allotment i suppose would be a better word and i before i get your answer i wanted to ask you because at first i was kind of team let them run whatever race like the late models do and seeing what high limit has been so far i feel like that 12 race series or 11 race series would be sort of a sprint car all-star series and the world of outlaws would matter less than high limit. And I can see why they would limit drivers. But I was curious your thoughts and feel free to disagree. I don't think it has anything to do with um, the success that high limit would or wouldn't have. Right. Obviously Brad needs a four time outlaw champion. They, you know, like, do they want Brad to leave the outlaw tour? No, because he brings fans in, but like, so does everybody else. Right. So, uh, I think at the end of the day, most of the outlaws would want nothing but success for Brad and even for Kyle. But right. And I don't think anyone's cheering out. against anybody. Uh, like the conclusion I came from, from that was just from watching the last two races in who has shown up. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, like my, my perspective on it, if I was world racing group or, you know, the world of outlaws, um, and you know, my drivers were, oh, we want to run, you know, these races and those races. Like the way it was before, you know, there were stipulations on, you know, you couldn't race this many hours in advance or sort of like the ones now. Um, and I don't remember exactly what they were, but if, you know, like we didn't race so many hours in advance and so many miles away, uh, and we race at that track already, it's on our schedule. You can go to it and, and like get permission. So before, you know, the rules were like, they might get to run five, six, seven, eight, you know, they could run 10 extra races that year. If, if that's right. how it played out, if yeah. rain outs worked that way and all that. So if, if I'm the outlaws and my guys come to me, Oh, we want to be able to do whatever, what, you know, like all this. And they're complaining about it. Uh, you know, I just allow them zero. Right. Because it's it, to me, it's like, uh, the outlaws are, you don't have to sign with them. Right. Like feel, I know, fielder keeps trying to remind everybody on it yeah, on yeah. dirt tracker like there's nothing's forcing you to sign with them right so uh you could run the entire outlaw tour and still go run 30 races a year you're just not going to get free pit passes and tow money and uh like all the other advantages and perks i don't know all of them i know you know there's right. tow money there's there's uh pit pass cards i think it's like four um you know it's like some of that stuff so you're more than welcome to run every single world of outlaw race throughout the year and go run 30 other races. It's just, you don't get free pit passes and all this stuff. So, and on the other side, you don't get the advantages of the outlaws promoting you, right? Like the outlaws are promoting their drivers at the same time. Yeah. So there, I mean, you sit down and watch a world of, you watch, you watch a world of outlaws broadcast and Zach Hampton is starting fourth. Uh, but Carson Macedo, David gravel and Brad sweet all have their little highlight tape video promotion things uh along with their name yeah which is you know like i i don't i 
I'm totally okay with that because they're full-time outlaws. They get yeah. hurt. No, and I, wa- I wasn't know, so trying like, to say, trying to say yeah. that. It's just like, oh, you have a face to the name with the full-time outlaws and everyone else is kind of just out on the other side because they're not full-time and they didn't do the media day. And if it were up to me, I'd, I'd probably put as many drivers on there as I could and, and do a couple of those per year and have all of them just to improve the broadcast. But I mean, that that's like a down the road step for when this stuff is on more of a mainstream platform. Not that Dirt Vision isn't working or the model doesn't work. I think it's going to continue to grow and you got to adapt to how it changes and stuff like that. But it is, there's a lot of perks to being a full-time outlaw. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, like, they should be allowed zero. I think, you know, not, not because I don't want to have to race with them when I'm not at an outlaw show, but because like it, it's your decision and you're getting all these other benefits. So, you know, like, but I will say on the other hand, I, I do see that the outlaws purse needs a raise, right? Like, I mean, it's been 25 or more years, you know, and they've been on this purse. So, but I, I'm not doing the book. So, you know, I don't know what they can and can't do. I would assume that they can, uh, because back then they didn't have dirt vision money, you know, like now they have dirt vision, um, and all of that. So I would think that, that, that it could be raised the purse, but I'm not involved with that side of it. So, uh, you know, I, I really, I can't say if that's well, even, and, and there's a know, ton of animosity, possible. there's a ton of animosity, uh, and uh, anonymity. I can't pronounce words tonight, <laughs> but between like dirt vision has not shown anyone their numbers. And the world of outlaws have yeah. not shown any teams their division numbers and what that brings to whatever racetrack, whatever team. And people got to understand there's a lot of slices of pie to be cut, but there's a, there's still a lot of stones that have not been unturned uh, for good or bad reasons. And I think there's a ton that we don't know. Um, and I, every, like, Every time I talk about this, I get more and more off of the let drivers run where they please thing. And I hope people listening to this are kind of like, between your answers and mine, like figuring out, like there's a lot of layers to this onion that, and some that haven't been cut even. Yeah. And you know, like people are like, oh, let them run where they want. Well, like, dude, nobody's stopping them, right? Like. Yeah, they chose. They are running where they want. They chose to run with the World of Outlaws full time. So like, they've already chosen where they want to run by by signing that contract. And I don't think people just people just don't understand that, right? Like, look at Buddy and Rico who have ran. I I want to say all, if not all, but one of the yeah. Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and they're not full time Outlaws, right? So like, they didn't sign a contract, and you're more than welcome. That you're more than welcome to not sign that contract and race with them as much as you want. So the whole, Oh, let, let us run where we want to run. Like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You don't get all the benefits of being an outlaw and then, and then get to go run other way, other places. Like the reason the outlaws pay better and give you all these perks is because you're their elephants and monk. My bad. You're their, oh, elephants. You're, you're their monkeys. Like, like this is, you know, it's, it's a circus literally. Like, I mean, it's, that's pretty much the model. It's a circus and you're their act. So why would they let you go perform for another circus? You know, it would be that's that's a horrible business model if they would let you do that. Then people don't have to pay the premium of coming to an outlaw event or watching it on Dirt Vision anymore because they could just go to wherever you're going to be at where it's cheaper 
you know, and go and, and get merchandise there and shit. So, and on the other hand, like, you know, they stop, if you're not a full-time outlaw member, team owner, whatever, you don't get to have your, your t-shirt trailer on t-shirt alley at an outlaw show. That's why you see shop Rico on like Jason side's car, because he became a partial team owner. So that his t-shirt trailers could be at outlaw races, you know? So like, that's, you know, like you, you get so many advantages and you know, they don't talk about all those. And there's a lot more like, you know, that I don't know completely about, but I somewhat know about them and I'm not going to discuss them because you know, it doesn't need to be, um, or I'm not the one to do it because I'm not an outlaw, but, um, you know, people don't understand all the benefits that they are getting and they have chosen where to race and when they want to race there because they signed that contract and nobody forced them to. So yeah, that's my take on it. You're completely right. And I mean, you look at all that stuff going, um, like all the things you mentioned, um, I learned about in this sport through people bitching about it through Facebook comments that they get this and all these outlaw teams get this and that. And no one really realizes that they give them like the world of outlaws give their drivers all these uh, perks to race with the series and be a part of the top sprint car series in the country. And yeah, they're, they're feeding off each other and people don't realize that they both need each other. And there's a give and take on both sides, you know, and like, it, it, it's the story, you know, the stories as old as time is each side's trying to get as much as they can get out of the other side before they finally, you know, give them the bird and, and bail, you know, like that's just how, how it works. But, uh, you know, neither side of them is, I would say getting screwed right now, you know, yeah. someone's always getting a better part of a deal, but. And you mentioned the outlaws purse and it, it needing a bump. Uh, my, so my theory um, and I'm a guy who I want to see the best 25 sprint car drivers in the country race all year long, 87 times a year, if that's the number, or if it's, if that number with so many drivers shrinks to 60 or something like that, I'd love to take that and have a big race schedule and, and turn the world of outlaws into an even bigger show. Uh, my theory is that starts with investing in 12th on back in points and feeding that side of the uh, purse bubble, I suppose, if you call it that, um, through the next few years. I don't know. What do you think about that? that? It's a theory I had. It's so, pretty loose. No, you're, you're right. And there's a reason, like, it, a big part of why everyone's going to the high limit races right now is that it pays, it's the start money, right? Right. Like, and, and don't, as a, as a, Okay. As a driver, I say at that, you know, like you either win or you you didn't, right? Like your first or your last, right? Like we want the, you know, like as a driver, you're going, you, you want to win. Right. So you just want all the money weighted there. Yeah. But as like, you know, a team owner and just, I know what other guys are thinking guys who aren't, you know, outlaws or have, you know, team levels team at like kind of my level or even less is, you know, like they are chasing the worst case scenario. So they're, they're more worried about the start money or, you know, like the tow money or whatever, you know, like I think it's horrible to race off tow money. Um, so I don't know. I think, uh, whether this, I don't know, it's probably the wrong way to, to word it, but the seating, the back part of it and, uh, like making all of that paid better to me is a very, everybody gets a trophy and liberal way of looking at it, which I don't like but also like when you want a bigger car count, you pay, you, you 
have to bump up the start money because there are a lot of people who consider that uh, when they consider where they're going to go race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to contest you on the car count thing because so I, I got introduced to this sport. I grew up a NASCAR fan, watched Dan Weldon IndyCar and discovered IndyCar through like Sports Illustrated magazines and watched monster trucks, watched everything that Speed Channel had to offer uh, back in the day. Uh, and the weirdest thing uh, to this day that I've ever heard um, is late model fans obsessing over how many late models are at a certain race because I look back at them and I'm like, okay, is Jonathan Davenport there? Is Brandon Overton there? Is Bobby Pierce there? Cause you can, you can fill 60 late models in a night at a certain track and they can all be crap. So like I've, what I'm trying to say is I've never understood uh, the car count uh, type of argument to it. I like one of my best friends, his uncle will only come to races with car counts of 50 or bigger. Basically, if it's less than 50, the show ain't worth going. And I've never bought into that. Yeah, no, I don't think, I, I don't even necessarily mean it from the race fans perspective. I guess mm. I mean it from, if you're a promoter looking to get the car count up. That is fair. You know, that, yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at it from a race fans perspective. I'm looking, I guess I, cause not that I'm I not think, no, fan. I think I brought an I, unfair I, argument to you cause we're looking at like, two different yeah. audiences. Yeah. I think we're both looking at, you know, the opposite side of it, you know, as a fan. Yeah. I don't know that that argument definitely wouldn't, who cares how many are there, you know, I'm, you know, some people are a quantity over quality person and that's fine. I'm not, I'm, a, I'm definitely a quality over quantity. Um, but, uh, you know, as a promoter or, you know, as a driver, you know, whatever, I, I think you, you do look at the car counts, you know, like those times I've gone to a race thinking there's going to be 30 cars there ends up being 50. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have gone somewhere else. You know, now I got to work so much harder, mm -hmm. uh, tonight, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, the first thing is weird. You know, like I don't, I, I don't have the answer of what the perfect thing is. You know, I think the, the outlaw purse is divided well between start to pet, like to win. And like, it has a good progression and all of that I think is good. I just think it needs a, a 25 or 30 or 40 or 50%, whatever increase or whatever that number is that, that gets everybody happy again about it or, or gets everybody, you know, I guess whatever they say the best deals are when both sides feel like they get, they got, you know, the best end of it or got screwed, you know, like both sides feel the same. So, uh, whatever that number would be, I think is what it is, but you know, I do think it needs something because there's a lot more money in the sport right now. And you know, everyone, even though Tim teams are getting more money, um, so are the outlaws and, uh, all of that. So there needs to be, I don't know. I, I think there needs to be a, a pay, like a purse increase, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the stuff that the, the full-time guys are getting there. So, right. um, you know, that's tough. And you know, the Larson deal is Larson and you know, the high limit deals paying really well right now, but it's also because they have 11 races, right. And it's promoted better or not better, but like, it's easier to promote 11 races and get everyone excited for 11 than it is for 80. Right. Like, Oh, we've seen this song and dance, you know, 80 times a year, but this one, we only get to watch 11. So, and I think Flo's doing a really good job of trying to give back to the racing world. You know, the, the million race, um, you know, doing this, this deal with Flo's, with Kyle Flo's growth with that Flo's growth with that in the past two years has been astronomical. The dirt race. Yeah. You know, I, do I think they're still, you know, making a, a, a bunch of money for sure, but I think they've done a really good job and are at least 
trying to give us some back at, at some level. Um, and you know, that's cool to see and whatnot. Not that their vision does or doesn't. I just, I don't, if it, you know, like if they are, it's not as public, which is okay. I just, um, you know, it, it, I think that's what people see or don't see, you know, and they're like, you know, like they get mad about, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's all of that is, you know, I don't, nobody's honest with the books or, you know, the numbers and all that. So it's kind of hard to say what they should or shouldn't do because right. I don't know, but, um, I, I do think, think it would take people in. being honest with their whole books. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is there for sure, but I think a, a pay increase like with, with the outlaws wouldn't be horrible. Um, uh, but I, I don't know, uh, what they can and can't do or should do, or, you know, obviously we all still show up racing, you know, that's why midgets still run for 3000 win because they can bitch about it all day long, but then they load up their cars and they go to the racetrack and they unload and they race. So why would they pay us more? You know, they don't have to because all yeah. we're going to do is bitch and then show up the next night. So until like the teams actually do something about it, you know, and just straight up don't go, you know, why would they change? No, I agree. We had the same conversation on Sunday talking about super speedway racing in NASCAR. I just said, I've never seen someone set out a super speedway race because they thought it was too dangerous. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's, and you know, there's different sides of the argument to it. I get it. Um, and I, if anyone gives you backlash for your answers on here, let me know because you've been a fantastic uh, interview and I want to dunk on them myself. Yeah. Uh, no, I won't. Uh, I don't care what anyone has to say. Obviously it's my opinion and they have theirs. So, um, I love it. you know, that's how it is. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's entitled to their own. I don't really, whether I think someone's opinion's wrong or right, you know, like they can have yeah. theirs, you know, and I can have mine and I'm usually pretty good at listening to someone else's and going, you know, I don't agree, but I understand why you feel that way. You know, most people don't yeah. are incapable of that, but, uh, that's where I, that's where I am with it. So. I got, I got two more for you and then I'll let you off the hook. Uh, but All right. you're talking about, you wanted full-time help. Uh, you don't have to give a number or anything, uh, but I want give your background, like what you grew up racing in and stuff like that. And what you're kind of looking for in a full-time guy. Yeah. So, uh, as far as my background, so when I was like four, four and a half, um, uh, my dad kind of found out what quarter midgets were, I guess. And my sister would have been like six. Um, and you had to be five to race them. So, uh, we got like two quarter midgets and I was able to practice at tracks like during the week and whatnot, but I couldn't, you know, like not race. And my sister started racing. And then when I was five, I started racing as well. Um, and then around, I don't know, probably I guess I was five. So probably like three, four years later, my sister, uh, quit, um, and wanted to do girl things. So, um, it was just me racing and we started traveling a lot. We did a, a ton of, of national stuff like grands and all that. If, if anyone knows what quarter midgets are, um, you know, we did a lot of traveling and then I want to say I was like 10, 11, um, moved up to a micro ran like restrictor for half a year. And then the following year I was 12. So we ran, uh, you know, multi, um, and we ran with like power eye series mostly. And we did a, a fair bit of traveling with that too. And then, uh, when I was 14, um, actually I would have been still 13, about to turn 14. Um, me and Chris Bell drove to Missouri and bought my first midget, um, on a whim. Uh, and then he drove it into coin that year. Um, and then I was 14 that year. So I started running 
some midget stuff with power eye and still ran the micro. And then, um, when I was 16, 17, so this would have been like 2015 ish or thereabouts. Um, my dad sold all our midget stuff, like all of our race stuff. Um, we, it was like, we had done, done it for 12 years, traveled everywhere, you know, and he was just kind of tired of, of the grind of it. So he sold our stuff. I drove a 305. I took it like a year off where I just didn't have anything to race. And then I drove a 305, uh, the following year, like three times, four times. Um, and then that was like 2017 and then 2018, I ran like a couple midget races for Kenny Irwin. And then I drove a 360 like five or six times for a guy named James page. Um, and then I bought, uh, my first sprint car that year, just a roller, no motor or anything. Um, and then I bought a four, a dash 12 that, that winter going into 2019. Uh, I put a wing on it, went to Attica, blew it up in hot laps. Um, and then like six, seven, eight weeks later, I bought an all pro and, and, uh, I bought an all pro on Sunday, Monday, I was still working full time. So I went to work and then I came home, put the, put the motor in the car, loaded up on an open trailer and went to Knoxville. And that's when you would have seen me there. And, uh, I want to say 2019 and I ran five races that year. And then, um, you know, I kind of came on, I would say the scene, most people probably would have at least seen me and whether they noticed or not on dirt vision or flow sometime in 2020. And then a couple of weeks ago, you were top five in qualifying at Peebley. Six, technically, yeah, but. All right, yeah, that counts, that, my bad. I've yeah, been screwing up many facts. Yeah. No, that's all right. I just, you know, like technically not top five. Still really good qualifying effort, um, you know, and then last year we did, I had a quick time with them there at Peebley. Um, so uh, I really like that track and whatnot. Um, and then as far as like a full-time guy, you know, like right now, last year I had a full-time guy who was crew chief and kind of just in charge of everything. Um, I helped me get organized. I had Rob Hart and, uh, he was, you know, incredible for my program. Um, but right now I would say like what I'm looking for in a guy, you know, like honestly looking for somebody who's got experience, at least some, you know, like has a, has, has gone racing and understands like, you know, when the car comes in, we do this and, you know, like these, these things need to get done this way. And there's a, you know, like a level of, you know, uh, understanding. Yeah. Like, and, uh, like quality, you know, like we, mm -hmm. we do that. There's a certain standard, you know, yeah. to, to, that we do things. And, um, uh, obviously someone that's, you know, able to travel and, you know, be in a shop. I mean, obviously and sprint car racing times are pretty flexible and you're on a whim all the time, but, um, you know, somebody that kind of knows how everything's done and can just help, you know, tire works, you know, like or tire work, uh, you know, help me move the right rear end or move the right rear out or, you know, just the little things that, you know, like, uh, I don't have time to do, or like, I'm I'm trying to watch the track or whatever, you know, and they can help do the little things, uh, that I would not necessarily think about or wouldn't have time to do. Awesome. And then the last one I had for you, uh, bearing a statue of limitations or anything like that. What's the craziest racing story you have behind the scenes on the scene, on the track, anything. Um, craziest racing story. It's pretty broad. I know. Uh, as far as like <laughs> crazy and, uh, you know, like looking back at it now, because at the time, you know, like, I would say going to buy that, that midget with bell was, uh, probably like the, 
one of the biggest or coolest, you know, obviously I'm, I'm still good buddies with Bell, you know, like when he was running a midget for Melmark back in the day and uh, was, you know, almost a nobody, you know, before his Keith Coons days, all that, like, uh, you know, he slept in our basement when they were here racing around here uh, on a cot. So uh, I grew up with Chris a lot and we still talk a lot, but um, it was PRI uh, the last night, Saturday at PRI. And um, we went, my dad, uh, and then Billy Lawhead, who is like Ryan runs Ryan Tim's team, um, and Scott Sawyer, Sawyer Micros. Um, and then Bell and I went to Hooters after PRI. Bell was, I want to say 17 at the time. I was 13 or 14. We couldn't sit in the bar because in Indiana, you can't even sit in the bar. So we sat like at the bar, kind of like, uh, at the side of the railing. So they were right. on, yeah, they were on one side and then me and Bell were on the other side because we weren't old enough. And we're trying to, we're all trying to talk my dad into buying a midget. And then me and Bella are on Indiana open wheel and we find one and call the guy. It's like nine o'clock at nine or 10 at night. And we called the guy and you know, he had it, whatever. So we, we came up with a price and, uh, we drove back home and, uh, me and Bell hooked up our truck and trailer. And my dad gave us, you know, however much it costs. I don't remember 14, 15 grand, uh, gave us, you know, that and cash. We, put it in a garbage bag and put it under the, un, under the back seat. And me and Bell drove all night till we drove like 11 or 12 hours and bought a midget. And the following weekend we, we ran it. He ran it at the coin cause I wasn't old enough. Um, so, and now, you know, at the time it was, it was still cool at the time, but now it's like, you know, with Bell being who he is and you know, where I'm at, it's like, it's just, you know, it's, it's cool to, you know, that, that, that happened, you know, and now yeah. everything is where it's at. So. That's awesome. That's Sheesh, we've we just uh, recorded with Joey Gaze. If you're listening, he'll be on on Sunday night. Uh, two really good interviews. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. I, are you offended that people call him Christopher in the Cup Series? Oh no, I mean, I don't. I I think he's kind of always been, I guess, Christopher. I have not to me, but like, it's, it's a weird dynamic because uh, they were doing that thing with uh, Chris Busher last year and his mom had done some segment and she's like, well, I always called him Christopher. Uh, and one of the announcers had made a mistake and called him Christopher Busher. So he changed his name. Yeah. So there's a whole branding dialogue to it that doesn't matter whatsoever, but it was funny to see. Yeah, no, I think he's always been Christopher, like, I guess, everywhere else. Like, I know his shirts has always been that. He's always you're been the, you're the that. first like, guy I've ever heard refer to him as Chris, which shows me, like, you guys are really good friends. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's what I've always called. I guess, really, I call him Seabell, but, like, that's more of a, I don't I don't think he's really, nobody really calls him that anymore. So, people would have, that would have probably fallen on uh, deaf ears. But, like, back in the day or whatever, like, Micro's Midgets and all that, he was Seabell. So, um I guess if I call him or whatever, I usually call him that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's just, I just used to, that's what I called him when I was 12 or whatever, you know, and still call him when I talk to him. So, uh, maybe I'm the weird one. I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Hope y'all enjoy your racing weekend. Thanks a ton for listening. Uh, and shout out to our presenting sponsor, uh, Carl Auto group. Appreciate those guys. Enjoy your race weekend, everybody.